Hello and welcome to the Neil and Amy podcast. This series of episodes is called Wayfinder. Why? Because this world, the people in it and the pressures of it can jack you up and they can cause you to lose your way. Next thing you know, you're overweight, unmotivated, frustrated with the relationships around you. Your life shattered in pieces and you're watching episodes of Dr. Phil and Jerry Springer just to feel normal again. This show is about helping people find joy in the middle of challenges because life is too short to live miserable. All right, so we are finally here in Idaho with mom and dad. And this out of is home. Out of home. This is out of home. <laughs> and this is after, I think we've done five episodes or something like that previously with the kids and just kind of sharing some of our different thoughts. We have a few more to send, but we wanted to save the two of you for this moment because... In reality, this How to Build a House That Last series all obviously stemmed from your vision and your dreams and all of those things. So are you guys okay and ready to rock and roll on some conversation? Really? Or do you, mom, do you anticipate any tears at all? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. And you're going to stay real close to the mic, right? And crying's okay. <laughs> it's absolutely okay. Dad, do you anticipate any tears at all if you actually dig into this? Definitely. Yeah. Well, that's okay. Do you anticipate breathing? Well, it's about the same thing. Yeah. I, I kind of feel the tears already myself. Uh-huh. So, all right. So this is going to be, we're going to call this how to cry during an entire podcast. <laughs> uh, so let's just kind of start off with what it was that when you, when you started the, the project up on Alta Sierra and building the house up there, we've already covered in some other episodes, you know, where you lived previously and, dad, your profession and what it was that you were doing. But then you got to a point where you really felt like, okay, I got to get my girls and my, my wife out of this city. And, and you picked a spot and you, what, what, give us a little background on that. Well, um, we were in the city, right? I mean, we lived outside the cities as country-ish as we could get for Bakersfield. Uh, so we had an acre. It was in the almonds and, and, alfalfa and stuff like that so there was places to ride a three-wheeler on some dirt roads but that was about as outdoorsy as it got and i had to pour a sidewalk in front of the house for the girls to ride their skates i don't know why that would make me cry that's not even a sad part when you think of the things you do for your kids um anyway so in bakersfield all there was to do was was before this the sidewalks were in front of every house. Yeah, it was out in the county, so you didn't get us. You didn't get sidewalks or curbs or gutters. So we poured the sidewalk. I'm just painting the picture that for the girls to do something, you had the mall or a movie theater is about all there was to do at that time in Bakersfield. So I thought, you know what, I need to get the kids out of town because I tell me if I go on too long. Um, <laughs> absolutely good. Okay. Um, because I hours was, of this, by the way. <laughs> because I was eight years old when we moved to the Kern River Valley. Um. So anyway, I thought, you know what? Why would I cheat them from getting to go down, float down the river, or ride motorcycles, or fish, or hunt, or whatever? I don't, you know, girls. Um, I remember up there they would say, I can't wait to, not my girls, but, you know, in high school, I can't wait to get out of here. There's nothing to do up here. And I think, my gosh, we had plenty to grow up doing, you know. So I thought it would be good to get them up there. And I'll let you talk in a second, hon. But as, <laughs> as far as 
um, the thought of we need to get them up there. So we started looking around all over the place, like from Twin Oaks to, you know, everywhere, trying to think of what was the right spot. And that hill that you know now where you guys live that's in the house, that's 14% grade getting up that hill. That's like one of the steepest maintained roads in California. So I remember having the thought, hmm, this is a good spot because normal high school kids don't have cars that can even make it up this make hill. Make it to my girls. <laughs> so if I get my girls on top of this hill, I don't have to worry about guys stopping over and whatever because they can't do it, right? Anyway, so that was Speak, the route. Speaking of, of that, so I remember being like 14, 15, 16 years old and some of my buddies coming and saying to me, man, you got to hear about this girl named Amy. She's <laughs> lives up on this hill and I'm pretty sure she's homeschooled, but man, she's, she's quite a gal. And, and like they were talking. Wow. I hate, I, so your plan worked is what I'm saying. Because <laughs> those guys were driving old beat up ranch yeah, trucks amen, and they weren't brother. going up that hill. That wasn't happening. So... <laughs> What? You're funny. <laughs> Neil and I are sharing a microphone for the listeners, mm-hmm. so we have to keep taking turns talking. That ought to be different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm getting robbed. <laughs> Whatever. So, okay, so you shoot you shoot up the hill, you know, you you pick a spot and you have a dream and you you start pioneering a dream. Tell us about the early stages of that. I'll be like Jesse. You want to take or, or <laughs> yeah. Abby? Do you want to <laughs> answer that question Jesse? first? <laughs> How'd you feel about moving up the hill, Mom? I was not on board. I had a nice house. Remember, get right on that mic, even though you're going to be upset. I had it like I wanted it with my little wall plates, mat- wallpapered, mm-hmm. matched my outlet covers and... Matched your plates, matched your curtains, matched your dinner napkins. Yeah. Dad. Matched your baby blue Mercedes, right? Yeah. Yeah. I did, actually. But, I mean, I was raised in the Valley, so I saw the benefit of that. But, you know, the course of, it wasn't easy. We didn't just buy a lot and build, as you well know. It kind of, over a couple of years, went from... Every day that dad had off from the fire department, he came home, got us, we drove up, we drove around, we got stuck in the snow. We, it was just adventurous in and of itself. That lasted probably about a year, I think. And then um, we found a little cabin that we thought we wanted and dad jumped the gun. And so before we ever were out of escrow, I think I heard one of your episodes talk about it a little bit. We um, paid an engineer to put a second story on, all that, only to find out that it didn't have a septic system later. So we lost a little bit of money there, but we had already, I think, looking back, I needed that because I needed to know where I was going to be able to go before I could release my home that I loved. So I actually dreamt about that house for a couple of years. I would dream that it was just a reoccurring dream. That I would drive in, hit my little button to my garage, go in, get the kids out of the car, and there would be people in the house. It was the same scenario. I would be like, what are you doing in my house? And they would say the same thing. You sold it. And then I would wake up. And um, I mourned that house for a long time. So it was it was home to me. So it was sad. But I, there wasn't really a lot of time to be sad except when I slept because we were working the whole time. So 
after the little cabin fell through, we found another little 400 square foot cabin that was like, how old? Built in the 30s. We heard it was a little line shack that cowboys used to stay in. Not insulated, holes in the floor. And dad was like, we could live here. We'll put a rug down. And, you know, he proceeds to. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, what? We were living in a 19-foot travel trailer. (laughs) Five of us. Yeah. In a little trailer park up on the hill. It's a campground. And winter was coming. And we thought we can't, you know, we can't live in the trailer. So we go to the building department. They said, no, you can't build a roof over your trailer. So we were like, well, what do we do now? We move back to Bakersfield or what? And I was mom, on board for that. Mom was riding. You guys had mountain bikes, remember? You guys were riding yep. around. And we had, had we already purchased the property? I think we I did. I think we'd already purchased the one lot that we were on. And but not being able to stay there. And she found that cabin across the street. And she, tell me what you used to say about that cabin. <laughs> When we build our really nice house, somebody should knock that down because I don't want to have to look at it out my window. Oh, wow. This is making a lot more sense. Remember our experience yesterday with Quinny? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Apple doesn't fall far from the master's tree. But I grew to love that cabin and I was very sad when we moved out. And after I became a realtor and I would show that cabin for the people that owned it and not so nice people like myself would say those sorts of things we're gonna buy this little cabin and we're gonna knock it down and then i i got all defensive like uh no you this isn't for you you need to find another place you have precious memories that's right so did learn to love it and it was just the right thing and it really i think that cabin well over the course of living in a 19-foot travel trailer the cabin, and then we jumped the gun. We weren't quite ready to move in the basement of the house, and I mentioned um, I'd rather live in a tent in the backyard. So Dad made that happen for a couple of months. So that was the progression. Sold the house. Hey, hey, hey. We had a dresser in the tent. That's right. We Nine did. by 12 It tent. was nice. <laughs> and if we got cold, I just loaded you up in the back of the chair. And Cherokee. we got to use our real mattresses. So, I mean, that That's was true. cool. <laughs> and we had all those other kids with us. It wasn't so great when it rained. But it was only a few months, and so that was just a that was a progression, and so. Can I paint a picture? Yes, yes please. please. <clears throat> so these um, places that we lived in so far, right? You heard the nine by twelve tent. That's as big as the lookout on top of the house. Um, back to the trailer, a nineteen foot travel trailer. I'll tell the story about one night, just so people can understand what it's like five of you living in a 19-foot travel trailer. Um, Besides the fact that when you get up and walk, the whole thing moves left, right, left, (laughs) right. (laughs) Now, remember, you're having dinner, you're having school, you're having everything in this 19-foot travel trailer. So one night, we're sleeping. Mom and I and Jake was on the bottom. Mom and I and Jake were on the bottom? Who was on the bottom? Jake. Jake. It was a year and a half. Amy and Ashley were on the top, right? So I hear this rustling up above me, and I'm thinking, what are, what are they doing? Well, oh, I heard it. I heard the gaggy, <laughs> and I woke you up and said, someone is going to throw up. And you're like, so wait, I, what? I kind of look out because <laughs> like the bunk bed we built, it was three people on the bottom, two people on top, right? I go and kind of look up to see what's going on, and Amy throws up right in my face, <laughs> direct. 
like I took the full <laughs> hit of it right in my face. And so I'm like, oh, oh, I'm starting to get up. And mom goes, oh, oh, and goes to the bathroom, which is like eight feet away, right? Goes in that little door and locks it. Locks the door. <laughs> I don't think I locked yeah, it. You locked it. Coming out. You locked it because dad got his angry voice on. He was like, open the door. <laughs> so that was, so you heard raining in the tent. You heard raining in the trailer. Um, Ashley and, started kindergarten. And when trailer. we moved into that little cabin, the 400 square foot cabin, I felt like, how how am I going to see or hear my kids? This place is giant. <laughs> it seemed giant at the time. I'm, I thought, we're going to lose our family. We're, everybody's going to be individuals <laughs> now in this place. And, and what we're striving to accomplish is going to go down the tubes in this giant, massive place. <laughs> anyway, 400 feet. We so. had in that um, cabin, there was a little, um, what do you call those? Like an attic ladder or mm-hmm. where you pull Fold it down, down and it comes ladder. down? And then um, we had a little like grocery store up there and Mm -hmm. we had our cash register and we spent hours upon hours up there playing. Nanny would and mom would cut all the um, cans at the bottom. So it looked like a full can of corn like sitting on our shelf. We Mm -hmm. had the whole. And then we switched it up and we went to um, when Long John Silver's came out with their to go menus, the paper ones. And we switched it up to Long John (laughs) Silver's for a little while. We had the little headsets that you push the button and we talk to each other. <laughs> and I never told them that, that they actually bought this with their own cash money, register with their own money at Costco. <clears throat> they were little. Ashley was five, you were eight. Um, went to the homeschool store, whatever, stocked it full of money, you know, and mm-hmm. gave them some credit cards and stuff like that. And they had their purses. Those were, that was, it was hilarious. The minute, if we ever came in the house from working across the street at the cabin, they were like, do, do some shopping, do some shopping. And Amy hand us a purse and a basket. And But the cash register, remember, either we disabled it or it didn't count the change back. No, no, you, you didn't tell us that how to, oh, that okay. it did it. You took the manual okay. and we had to figure it all out. So we didn't know that it could tell you how much money you got back. But we knew when we went shopping, the people behind the register would type in the money and hit a button and it would tell them how much to give back. And we were like, dang it, our, our model didn't get it. <laughs> so, so you we learned had to, the count we change. We had to learn how to count change. I remember being an eight-year-old and correcting a real cash register person because they didn't give us the right change yeah, back because true. it was became something we did every single day. Yeah. <laughs> but then one day I was like, well, what would happen? Let's just start putting in like if if your total is 1550 let's just start putting $20 and let's just hit every button on the cash register and see <laughs> if it you know tells you your change back Sure enough, <laughs> I was T.O.'d. <laughs> I came flying down those stairs. I don't even think, I, I think I might have just like put my legs on the rails and just like slid down. I came down, I was like, oh my gosh, the register does this. And my mom and dad are like, yeah. And I'm like, you knew about this? You kept this from me? What? <laughs> but it was so cool because especially dad, you know, he's always going to mix it up and he would buy this and that and the other and he'd set it all down and, and Amy would ring it up or Ashley and give him the total and he'd be like, what? I'm not paying that. Take off that. And can I buy half of that? And like he mixed it up. I want a refund for that. Like he made... Yeah, he, complicated order. It, very complicated. And they consequently could always figure it out so that was yeah that was, that was math for the day by the way real life yeah yeah well do you remember when the principal from the school came over oh my god you guys had a limit now remember this is 
back in the day, how there's 35 people maybe that lived on that mountain. 25. Right? So not a lot of traffic. Well, they want a lemonade stand, so they set their, you know, I'm sure I helped them set their lemonade stand up, but I'm in the house working, doing whatever, and here comes the principal from the Kernville school that they should be going to, right? And I'm thinking, oh, great, what is going to happen? And he comes down, Mr. Bray, was it? Yeah, I don't think you yeah, can Mr. say that Bray. on the air. Oh, Mr. Uh, Bray. I, think <laughs> <that> was... <laughs> I got stories about Mr. Bray, but we won't tell him. He was my neighbor as a kid for a long time. <laughs> so he comes down, we let him in, you know, hey, how's it going? We're like, what's, what's this about? How's it going? He goes, great. I, I was just driving by and I saw a lemonade stand, so I stopped and got some lemonade. I said, really, was it good? Oh, man, it was the best lemonade ever. I said, how all that? go he goes it was really good they took my money they counted my change back they blah 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 and i was and he was really like you could tell he was genuinely happy that he stumbled upon this homeschool event <laughs> you know and that turned out good you know he had a good story to tell about it oh that is so good mm-hmm. so you guys like i i want people to understand the journey and i think that people have already caught quite a bit of your two different personality types and you know mom being one who and i'm just kind of being gentle with how i express your personality types because they're going to come out but you know mom being somebody who's looking truly to make the home and you know to if in some sense kind of nest and settle and have things put together and dad being somebody who has like a dream of a better land Right. And it's kind of been that way since all the way back at like stagecoach and then all the journey. And a lot of people would look at your lives. I know people that know you well, even in the new place that you've come and they look at your life and they go, wow, you know, like they just have such a great thing going. And that that people see that they see your family life and they see, you know, all of those things. But um, sacrifice, right, was a part of the process of building all all along the road. I'm, I'm, that's what I've seen. And even now we're sitting here in a new land mm-hmm. and you've got all your grandkids in the house and, and it's, you know, there, there's, they're even sitting here listening to what's going on. You've got, you know, you got your little, tr- you know, really your tribe of people that, that have learned from you and grown. But I feel like some people don't understand what it takes and, t- you know, to, to build something that lasts generations. And it's not that you necessarily even recognize. I don't think that this is something that's lasting generations, but one, I think people just hearing a little bit about sacrifice, you know, would it, maybe that's a good little thread to go down and from each of your vantage points, like what it took, like you, you didn't get this in order to get this because you dreamt about that and, and that little process. What do you think? Well, um, I guess sacrifice for me would be I was willing to put in the work, right? I was willing to take them to a place that was somewhat secluded, right? Um, so that they could enjoy the the things that they wanted without being hampered by um, peer pressure, right? I mean, they grew up in jeans and T-shirts. Yep. Uh, it didn't matter. Girls. Wait, calm down. Well, well. Mom. <laughs> 
Mom did make us matching dresses. Yes. That's true. Poodle skirts, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Nanny helped. And yeah, I've seen pictures was... where there were no shirts at all. <laughs> yeah. Amen, brother. Climbing trees. They weren't that old. It was like 12-ish. <laughs> that when was just like, your wife. When they were like, Amy, I think it's time you wear shirts. And I was like, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ruined my parade. <laughs> so I... Because I could already see it back in the 80s, right? 80, or at least the 90s. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, of the kids getting swayed by clothes um, brands and stuff. If you didn't have that gene, you really weren't quite in the cool group, right? And I didn't want them to have to worry about that. I didn't want to pay for the jeans. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, anyway, so... Um, willing to put in the work, right? <laughs> Having a dream, whether your dream was ever fulfilled or not, got you to places to um, work together, share how to do things. Um, that hill, you know, uh, the snow, the all the things that you'd have to, that you couldn't normally just pull into your garage like she did and like mom did and hit her button and shut the door and you're away from the world and all, everything's, you know, safe, um, driving to work an hour. Now it's an hour and a half probably to get down there because of the traffic. But when I was doing it, it was an hour each way. And I would have done it even if I didn't work 24 hours at a time. I would have done it for an eight-hour shift just because I knew my kids were up there. They were safe. They were um, getting to enjoy that kind of stuff. That was kind of a sacrifice. Absolutely. about you, Mama? Well... Dad always used to say, Any can, anybody can be happy when everything is right and good, but it takes an art to be happy when things are falling apart around you. And so he would always encourage me that way. I mean, he used it in opportune times, like when I wanted a toilet or something like that. And I would be like, everybody else has a toilet in their house. And he'd be like, I just got you a front door. Now you want a toilet. Like, what? what? And I always felt like I had to choose between... You know, what was more important? But he, he used to say that. We, you know. Now we sound like the, um, what are those people in Alaska that are just like crazy mm -hmm. and don't have actual running water? We had mm. water. We no, just, honey. You just said we you didn't have a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking when we were building the basement part, you know. and and um, But I think for dad, he already envisioned it because he designed the house and I was just kind of on the skirt tails of his dream, and I'm not really a dreamer because I don't like to be disappointed. So I just like to live within, you know. I mean, I think my biggest thing when he springs these ideas on me, I think the first thing I say is, "What, what will that look like? And can I do that? You know, because I just and he's always assures me, "Yeah, you can do it." But um, you know, that's where the grace of God comes in because out of my own effort, I really, I really am not strong like that. And I mean, there are certain times I am, but, um, so where that was concerned, we were just busy building the whole time, whether we lived in the travel trailer or whether we lived in the little, um, cabin or the tent, we were 24 seven, pretty much. We talked about that the other day, a good friend that would show up like at two in the morning to want to help us. And we'd already been in the tent for an hour and we'd get back up because we had help. And so, so we really did build and yeah, dad made a lot of sacrifices. He, 
the guys at the fire department would say he came to work to sleep because he didn't get to sleep at home. But um, so for me, I think I just sacrificed the safety <laughs> and um, what I imagined life should look like. And I reminded all of us all the time, this is not what life looks like for other people because I watched other people. And, um, and so I always felt like we were doing it wrong and I wanted to make, you know, but, um, so sacrifices of, we just were swimming upstream all the time and it was just, and dad would say, you want to pack up? We can go buy a tract house on a little cul-de-sac and call it good. Is that what you want to do? And there were sometimes I was a little hesitant to answer (laughs) because that life looked good for me, but, um, I wouldn't trade it now on this side. I wouldn't trade any of it because every single part of it became a component to, you know, to make us who we are. So, or, or at least learn from our mistakes that way. So it's never been, we had a neighbor say, when we build our house, we're going to do it the right way, not like the lions. And I'm like, more power to you. When you figure that out, let us know because we didn't mean to do anything wrong. And you, you really didn't. Yours was just a process that was way different. And I think that most people want instant results and, you know, do it for me and and get it done. And and that's, like you said, it's not bad for some people. That's what it is. But um, I know on this side, we so appreciate that you were willing to, like, push and create and dream and, and do things that stretch the limits of what, you know, we'll say normal people would want to do. So I want to talk a little bit about grit and maybe each other would talk because dad's not going to talk about his own grit. Um, He might talk about yours, but I want. So the idea behind what you built, you didn't just build, you know, a a little house that that uh, would easily get, you know, blown over when the storms came. You dreamt up a house that's pretty phenomenal that, you know, has huge footings and all these different plans and maybe talk a little bit about where the idea for that house came from and then the grit that it took and maybe a few stories of grit that it took to actually build it maybe on however you want to do it but I know dad won't talk about himself a a couple of things I would always remind him this isn't the YMCA tag we don't need a zip line across from the climbing wall into the third story of the house you know but he just he just is like that. So, and the other thing I wanted to say is people would always stop by. I heard that on your other episodes and ask, when are you going to finish it? You know, <laughs> and then I would ask him, I'm when like, are you going to go home? Yeah, I would ask exactly. him, like, when are we going to finish it? And one day he said, this was reality. <clears throat> so here's the deal. We may not ever finish it, but that's not why we started it. And that made me think of it when you said it was a process. And I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) You lie. Liar. I'm sure I said that. I Um, live in a house of lies. (laughs) (laughs) But it became, he's like, there's more. And and I honestly, I knew that in my heart. I have this resolve that there's more going on here than just putting up walls and nailing shingles. There's more going on here. And I mean, there really was. We had more babies and we had weddings and we had funerals and we had um grandbabies and so there really was there was more going on there than just a house I mean to other people and I I'm probably the only one in the family like my kids and tag have there's just sure of things and and I'm I waver more like 
I just want to do the right thing. And I don't always, you know, so anyway, I, and if, if you're, if you're thinking that the right thing is whoever you're comparing yourself to, that's not the right thing. I can tell you that I've learned that much. So, um, but. Well, also <clears throat> your, your plans change, right? When we first got married, I re- I can still see it. What? Give me a second. Pulling down the street, and like you know, when you're in the city and you have a street that tees into another, in the, in a residential. Call it intersection. Right? Yeah, but I mean, it's just a T intersection, right? And then up from there was a house, probably a three bedroom house, two cars on the on the ramp going up to the garage. One I think was a Corvette. And that was the dream. So when you're renting an apartment, right, and you're thinking, how can we ever, because when you're young, you think, well, my folks have this nice house on the Kern River. That's what I need. And how can I get it with, you know, making minimum wage or whatever, you know? So you're, my first, my first dream was that, like, oh, if we could just get that, everything would be great. And so then you go from that and we finally did get a, a ranch kind of style house out in the sticks in Bakersfield. But um, from there, you, now you have kids. And now you're thinking, well, I want more for my kids. So now that house that you thought was great, all of a sudden isn't. So then you start thinking, how can we, you know, make something better? And you just keep going. Once it got to the building process, we started off, I think it was an 1800 square foot house. You go to the, to the architect and say, hey, I want a house. He draws you what's in his head, right? Here's your plans. Give me so many thousand dollars and go build your house. And you're like, well, that's not really going to work because of this or that, or we need something else. And so you go to another one and you're in, it sounds so easy for most people just to get that, you know, online, get the house plans and let's just build that. And we've seen them and they, they look like you got plans online and built the yeah. house, you know? Yeah. So you just start going down that road and from that 1800 square foot house, we tried to, okay, now we got the lot and let's try to see how that's going to fit. That's, that's good. And well, I thought it does snow in the winter and I want my, I know my girls like to s- skate. So maybe underneath we could scratch out maybe a 600 square foot thing to put a pad like in the bait where the basement is now the basement's what 1260 or 80 square feet but i thought man if we just get a little pad under there for them to skate on you know okay we'll go down that road then you think well man now that you're learning more about backhoes and and how things work and well let's just scratch out the whole footprint of the house right and we'll have a full basement and they can play down there right then, okay, what are we going to do up top? Then you run into another architect that's drawn your plans for the third time, right? Well, I want I want to build it out of logs. I want it to be a monument for my family to go, man, Dad went up, cut the trees, hauled them down on a log truck, scribe fit all the logs, put them together, and now we got this monument, you know? That fell apart. Probably, praise God, it fell apart because we'd probably still be putting logs up, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's a slow process. Um, but we bought a crane. We, you know, we're going down that road and then all of a sudden God said, nope, that's not it. uh, Everything we have, we couldn't get the logs anymore for the price that we could afford. But anyway, in that plan was, I thought on that third floor, we'll just make 
make it be an A-frame type thing. And so that architect was like, now that we're back to stick building, right? She, mom can tell you the story about that. But anyway, now that we've made our transition back from logs to stick building, I'm just trying to paint the picture that there's a lot of changes that go along in a life, right? That guy said, why would you just start the roof at the floor when if you just spent a few more thousand dollars, you could make a whole wall and now you've got a whole big giant room up there. And I was like, yeah, it's really not that much more money. Okay, we'll do that. So you redraw the plans for that. Anyway, I'm just trying to show you from an 1800 foot house without a basement, how your life, how your kids, how your finances, whatever, you know, change. Uh, Even where you live, things change. We weren't in that house on the end of that intersection right we were things just change i don't want people to think that we're some grand you know i, I, I doubt that they do i've heard the stories on the line i mean my mom was a creator you know she was always doing stuff with shop smiths and making things but we didn't come from a, a family of builders we just kind of went well dang it i think i could nail some boards together and no and I, I would also ask him how do you know how to do that and he's like well, whoever we hire, I, I would say, should we hire somebody to do that? Because we didn't hire anybody. He would say, whoever we hire had to learn. And we're fully capable of learning. And we have more invested here because it's ours. So, I mean, if the nailing pattern on the roof was what? What? Oh, every uh, foot on a on an interior and six inches on the... And what did you put it at? Well, I mean, that was a good nailing pattern, but let's just talk about wood size or metal size. No, let's talk about the nailing pattern. Well, I'm just saying... Because you upped it. We upped everything. If if we would use, if it was just a regular sinker nail, we used ring shanks, right? We Everything where we could make it better, we glued it down. We've Anything that we could do to make that thing last, we did what we could. That we knew of. But, Dad, you know how humble he is. I mean, he consulted people that... Yeah, he would talk to experts, people to, absolutely. to actually well, get it and right, my but buddy then you Danny. would one-up them, and you just kind of hit it. Like, I'm not saying you'd one-up the experts, but ultimately, you would attempt to build it bigger, mm-hmm. stronger, yeah. Yeah. to make it last longer, yep. and it took probably a lot longer yes. and cost a lot more money. Yes. But why? Because we, we were going to die there. Yeah. We weren't going to leave. We didn't. You don't put a 20-year roof on a house you're going to live in for the rest of your life. You know, mm-hmm. you put whatever you can get to make it last the longest. Mm-hmm. Everything, every little part we did, the walls were bigger, the everything, insulation was better. The But yeah. when you're doing it yourself, you can afford some of that, right? Yeah. And I get, I get it. I mean, nowadays, I don't know. Prices are through the roof on everything. We just happen to, you know, be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Dad, what dream were you chasing then? Like, what what was the dream? What was the reason? The reason um, I envisioned girls coming down the stairway, getting married. Mm. I envisioned their friends coming over and having fun, playing in the snow, climbing on the climbing wall, making smoothies, all that stuff, in which a lot of that did happen. Mm-hmm. Karaoke, you got to be a part of that, right? <laughs> Um, anyway, I envisioned, my envisionment was a family. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had a dark room, a computer room. Mm-hmm. We had shops, we had garages, mm-hmm. wired for sound, mm-hmm. right? So you could wash your car and pump the tunes while you're doing <laughs> Um, a lookout, you could mm-hmm. go up in and have coffee. Mm-hmm. So many visions. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why were you doing it, Mom? Oh, my gosh. Well, because I love Dad, and wherever he was, that's where I wanted to be. It was anything but perfect, but, I mean, don't get me wrong. There were times where I thought, this is stupid, I'm out of here, and then I would, half a second, I'd think, where am I going? Everybody I live is right, everybody I love is right here. But for me, I think what, how I got through was to plan trips. <laughs> that became my new favorite pastime. Because for me... That was our favorite pastime for you. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? We enjoyed the trip. Oh. <laughs> and, you know, I, honestly, it, as much we as I... We got this, Mom. We'll carry the block. Go plan another trip. <laughs> As much as I wanted a done kitchen, a finished kitchen, or what else wasn't finished? I don't know. You guys live there now. The thought of like, man, all of us, 20 something of us being together on a cruise for seven days or whatever, like, that just, that's heaven to me. So, and we would always say we can finish the house when all the kids are gone. But mm-hmm. Praise God, they were never all gone. They just, it got bigger, but, um, yeah, I, I'm not one to ever say that we were wise with our money where the house was concerned. But, again, I wouldn't go back and trade it, you know. And we thought we had time. We thought we had time to finish later and stuff. So, Would, would you have finished the house if you wouldn't have, perhaps would you have finished the house the way that you had wanted to maybe 20 years ago or something had you not had grandbabies and had you not, um, yeah. taking these trips and so things of that ten nature. Ten times over, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then what would we have? Oh, I want to talk about Mima for one second. Because Mima is... Well, um, come what? real close to this. Okay. And then um, <laughs> who's Mima? Her name is Joan Joseph. She I don't know where she lives now, but Amy knows her as Mima. Ashley. She was my mom's first crew. Yeah, she was my first what crew. What was her husband's oh. name? Jack. No. Peepaw. Oh, yeah. Peepaw. I call them Meemaw and Peepaw. <laughs> yeah. He used to wind his clock up like, I don't know. Eight like, o'clock. Eight o'clock at night. He'd get it. It was a winder clock, like alarm clock. And Meemaw would be like, just go to bed, Jack. Nobody cares. But that was his way of telling us it was getting late. You know, we only lived across town, but time we spent the night there. for us to go there. home. <laughs> but um, so Meemaw told me one time when I was coming, she just was such a realist and really spoke truth into my life. She told me one time I was complaining about the neighbor who had everything, you know, and had a job in this. And she's like, stop it. Just I don't want to hear you complaining ever again. Decide where you want to be successful. You want to have a big bank account? Get your butt out there and get a good job. Slap your kids in daycare and go do it. People do that, and that's fine. If you want to be successful in your family, then stop comparing yourself to everyone else and just live your life, Robin. Just love on your kids. You know, that's what you want to do. So do it, but don't think you're going to get both, okay? If you want to, in, she talked to me about investment. Wherever you put your time and attention, whatever you invest in, that's where you're going to become successful. And I'm not saying, I'm not comparing. That's just for me, I had to really remember that, like when I was playing the comparison game, you know. Um, so, yeah, and when you, were, when you were planning a trip to get some extra quality time or do something like that, that was a big motivating factor I'm guessing yeah it was so I just you know 
yes, could the house have been done? Absolutely. Like I said, 10 times over, it could have been done. But what? We wouldn't have the little memories that pop. I mean, we could. Anyway, I'll just be quiet because it seems like I'm comparing. I'm just saying that's for me. That's what carried me was the trips along the way. And I always kind of had to have one in the works, you know, to, to carry me through. What? Part of the thing that I really, I know that, you know, the people that are listening, some don't have the vantage point of, you know, like us having parents like yourself that, that had a dream to do something. They, you know, they are the keeping up with the Joneses kind of people and they've been, you know, going or gravitating toward that since, like you said, dad, when they started grade school and it was all about whether or not you had the right clothes or the right cars or the right whatever. And, and that's fine if that's where people want to be and how they want to live. But that, that isn't what we're about. It, it really isn't. Now, don't get me wrong. I grew up kind of chasing those same sorts of things. But you married me and I told you, no, I'm not ironing your undershirt. <laughs> oh my gosh. I had to do that myself for the first decade. Your undershirt. I didn't quit. No. But I don't know. I just, I think the heart of, of finding finding something different than what the world tells you to do. You know, mm-hmm. that... Hallelujah. Because the world's always kind of steering you to be a sheep and mm-hmm. and follow whatever the political path, or, and I'm not trying to go down that line so much, but, you know, you, you like you said, you were swimming upstream and you were you were doing something that most people wouldn't do. And I we hope that people will get courage from this series ultimately to go, you know what? Yeah, life doesn't look perfect, but it doesn't need to look perfect. Mm-hmm. And bottom line is, is that this this is a journey. It, it you know, there's heartache, mm-hmm. a lot of heartache, you know, along the way, but worth it. Totally worth it. We see it as worth it. Mm-hmm. No, we do too. Mm-hmm. We do too. Um, this it, this has just been a crazy year of different seasons and I'm kind of I feel like that's what the Lord's really just speaking into my heart is you know seasons come and seasons go some last longer than others and some you wish wouldn't last as long and you know but um and you just really have to live in the moment because you don't really know how how long things will last and I think if we knew that whatever it is that you're doing if you knew it was your last time you were going to be doing that or we we would just behave differently and our attitude would be different. So I'm just trying to not be a downer, but really learn to embrace the moment for what it is, whether it's, you know, working on the house or, mm-hmm. or whatever. So, and just try to be brave. I feel like you don't have to have all the answers. I'm a serious dot connector and I'm like to figure things out and I like to solve things. And this last, I don't want to say leg of our journey because hopefully it's not, but I've learned that it's okay to take a step forward when you don't know what that next dot is, just in faith, you know. And we did that for the house. We did that, Absolutely. you know. And that's why when the neighbor's like, we're going to build, but we're going to do it the right way. We're not going to live in our trailer, a cabin, the tent, you know. We're going to just build it and move in. And I'm like, mm-hmm. have at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do it. Oh, well, we used to say <laughs> when we were moving out of Bakersfield to go up there to try to figure out what that, well, we didn't know, you know, you you plan just like getting that one house. Yeah. That uh, if 
fell out of escrow because of the septic tank, and the guy raised the price a thousand dollars or something like. I think it was thirty thousand dollars was how much the cabin was selling for, and we were like, forget it, yeah. you know. And that's when we went and lived in the little trailer. But anyway, the point I was going to make was, oh yeah, we used to always say. We can always move back. Yeah. You know, okay, it sounded like such a big thing. What about the kids' birthday parties? What about the gymnastic classes? What about the, yeah, okay, if we get up here and we find out, you know, to Altus here, if we get up here and we find out that it just isn't making it, yeah, we'll eat some crow and we'll just move back, you know? And so that gave you the, the gumption to go, okay, yeah, we can try it. I've said that about Idaho, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that would, that wouldn't be the right choice. No, and that's not like you go into a marriage like I can always get a divorce. I mean, that's not that safety net. I think some say that though. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, Counseled a few people that have absolutely <laughs> put that in the closet. I mean, because I think you have to be, de- you have to be determined when you're going to make a decision that you're going to make the best out of it. You know what I mean? You can't just quit when things get hard because things are just, yeah. <laughs> 